academy. Shop my big chest where the best is a philosophy. Drinking at lunch brings rubber skills like a sucker punch. Welcome to CMIB. Yeah, yeah. Uh, CMIB. Yeah, yeah. Uh, CMIB. If you are a longtime listener, you have noticed that the theme song has just changed. Uh, if you are, this is your first episode, this theme song has just changed. Go back, listen to the last like 100 whatever episodes. I think we're in 90 something right now. That's actually a lot. I forgot about that. We're like 90 some episodes of Seeming B. Um, I do want to talk about my new theme song. And I want to talk about my new, about my new theme song because it is a weird parasocial relationship that only happens because of the internet exists. And it's one of these sort of wonder stories of the internet. So months back, uh, I was at work in a meeting and my supervisor was talking, we're in a meeting and he's like, we have this new product coming out and we want you to get the, the employees very excited about it. The problem was the product was not that exciting. If we're going to be really honest. I was sitting there going like, I got nothing. Uh, we're essentially taking an old product and we're kind of updating it to be a new product, but it's just recycling the same product. It's a pretty normal thing for a company to do. I'm not offended by it or anything. I don't want to like dish what we're actually talking about, but generating buzz and excitement about this thing that everyone kind of already knows about is a pretty big ask. So I was like, well, what, what can I do? I'm sitting there and I got, I got nothing in my head. I'm just like, I can make a couple dumb jokes. I can make a speech. I can make a PowerPoint. We're done. That's pretty normal corporate presentation. Generate excitement about this thing. And I was like, no, nah, I got to do something a little more than that. Because I want people to at least know that this is worth thinking about or doing or trying. And then this is going to be a transition into the new year for us. Um, so what I'll do is write a rap song. And I was like, problematic because I don't have talent. So I don't have bars to drop with <laughs> I don't I can't make a beat to save my life so I'm done already so I was goofing around and this is one of the benefits of my job is when I have an idea I do have a certain amount of time to think and try to create and execute my ideas so I was like I know what I'll do I'll go on to chat GPT and I'll ask it to write me a rap song and it'll be probably trash but then I'll take that rap song and I'll, you know, make adjustments and stuff and I'll make it good. And then I'll figure out something to do after that. This was me learning about ChatGPT. I hadn't really used it before. You don't just say, write me a rap song. It has to know what it's about. So I had found out that what you do is you say, what information would you require to write me a rap song? And then it'll give you like 10 points that you then fill in. And then you say, using the following criteria, and then you feel it, it would be like, it was like genre type, style, speed, aggressiveness, and then other content information that you want in your song. So I put in like actual elements of the thing we were producing, uh, information that's very real, that's important to the people who will be using this new product. And I said, please make me a rap song using the following criteria. And I had the 10 points and then 10 points all had a paragraph after it, me describing what was required of the song. And ChatGPT does what ChatGPT does. It produced a better song than I could have in a fraction of the time. So it was a couple of seconds, song comes up, I read it, I'm like, this isn't terrible. Like, it's not good. I'm not going to like present this to other people and say like, this is a good song. Hey, check out this thing I wrote. 
but it's also not the worst thing I've ever. I'm sitting there. I now have lyrics that make basic sense and have the content I need in them. And I'm like, well, I still don't have the ability to rap or make a beat. So I go on Fiverr and I say, start searching for rappers. Now there's lots of people who will do a verse on your rap song. There are lots of people who will make beats for you. There's nobody who does both. So now I'm like, ah, this idea maybe is now hitting the trash fire. Uh, I might not be able to do anything with this. So I'm searching and searching and searching. I go on Upwork. I go on a couple other sites. And then I find this name, Stones Moyo. Stones Moyo is willing to write, produce the whole song. So I send him a message and I send him a message and I say, uh, I got the lyrics. They're not very good. It's for a corporate presentation. It's just supposed to be funny. So, you know, you, you only have to take it so seriously. Part of this was actually going to be this joke. This song is so bad. That's the joke. Like that was actually kind of my intent. Like I'll, I'll get the cheapest rapper on Fiverr to make me a song and the song will be so bad in my presentation. I'll make fun of the song being bad. That was kind of the joke I was working towards with all this. Now, no musician is going to consciously produce a bad song. They're going to do the best with what they got. Maybe you've made something and then down the line, you're like, I could have done better. I could have changed stuff. That's a pretty natural thing. But your initial intent is not to make something bad on purpose. So I reach out to Stones Moyo. Stones Moyo is a rapper in Zimbabwe. And he says, yeah, you give me the lyrics, you give me this much money. It was about 5,000 yen. So it's probably like 40, 50 bucks in American. And I'll produce you a song. So I send him PayPal, I send him the money, and I just disappear for a week. And I'm thinking, uh, did I just give 50 bucks to some guy in Zimbabwe? There was that thought. I, I mean, I had no reason to think that because he, his whole thing, his whole profile online is legit. He's producing music. He's making music. Uh, you can see that he actually does this. And then I get an update. I got it. one or two more days. I'll have this ready for you. I'm like, actually, now that you've said that, I am at ease. Take your time because the presentation I have to make is weeks away. And then a couple of days later, he sends me uh, the song. So I'm going to play just a fraction of the song for you. In the classroom, you will shine and so much more. Free time, lesson room, three students away. One can transfer in, it's gonna be great. Regular lesson room, six students and you. Two more can join, let your passion shine. So I'm gonna stop there because it's a full song. It's a three-minute song. Uh, and I also don't want to, like, dox the company I work at and stuff. I don't need people, like, seeing that. But... It has information for the program from ChatGPT in a real song, and the song is pretty good. So you have to understand what actually happened was I made a joke that was essentially garbage. I gave this joke to this guy, Stones Moyo, and he made something pretty good out of it. And that was shockingly impressive to me because there's no way I could have put that together to save my life. And so that was amazing. Everyone loved it. I had to do that presentation three times in the day on Zoom, put the song out. Everyone, after the initial shock of me presenting the uh, rap song that I had, I guess, technically produced, um, everyone like really enjoyed it. They got the information they needed. They now know about this new product. They know about all the stuff they need to know. Yippee-ki-yay, we're all in a great spot. So now I'm sitting around. I'm doing C McBee. 
uh, I was like, you know what? I, I have this thing where I, I really felt good giving an independent artist some money to make a real thing for me. I didn't feel good about using ChatGPT, but that is, I don't have time to sit down and write a f- actual good rap song. I don't have the skills to do it, I don't think. So that was problematic. I was like, you know, I need to see me be, we're coming up on 100 episodes. I want to do some refreshes. I want to try to think about like what direction I want to take the podcast in. What do I actually want to do? I've been doing a lot of news stories lately. I've been doing a lot of political stuff. Uh, It's, I think, less randomly entertaining, but maybe more informative. Is that where I want to go? I don't know. By episode 100, I actually want to have a direction. It's either going to be more focused news or maybe I'm actually going to write jokes out and stuff. I don't know. This is actually what I'm thinking about right now. I think this is uh, episode 95, 96. I got about a month before I actually need to figure it out. That's going to be the busiest time at work. So when that actually calms down at work, that's when I'm going to sit down and just like chart the course of the podcast. So part of that refresh for me was a new theme song. The theme song I have now previously, I actually deleted it already, so I can't even play it for you. So if you want to go back and listen to last week's episode, just the first minute, it was kind of a rock thing. I had bought a package online And if you buy that package, the artist is like, you can use this for your projects. You can use it if you make money off it. You don't have to pay me anything. You paid me, I think it was like five, ten dollars for the pack of like 20 songs. And I used that for a while, but it didn't really fit the mood. The hard rock intro, it's not like that doesn't suit me as a person, but the hard rock intro didn't match the tone of when I was speaking. So when I sent a message to Stones Moyo, I said, hey, Stones Moyo. I got this podcast. I want a new theme song. He said, what kind, of the- what kind of feeling are you going for? I was like, oh, man, I actually hadn't thought about that. And my first thought is Mama Said Knock You Out by LL Cool J. But again, another very hard, hard intro for what conversationally happens here is a pretty low-key podcast. I was like, no, I need something way more chill intro for the chill way I tend to talk most of the time. Because if I was talking to other people, I might get more excited, more passionate. But realistically speaking, I'm speaking by myself to you. If you're in your car listening to me right now, what I want is it to feel like I'm sitting in the passenger seat, just babbling my dumb face off. And you're like, hey, this is interesting, random shit this guy knows. Or he's read and he's telling me about. He gives his little personal perspective and everything's awesome. And we're having a good time on your commute. If you're on your commute right now and I'm in your ear, this is all for you. That's what I want you to know. If you're watching it on YouTube, fuck, I don't know. (laughs) I shouldn't have gone there because I had nothing in the background. I guess I could talk about Dave, but Dave's asleep in the corner. Stones Moyo, I got a podcast. I need like a 30 second to one minute intro. And from that, uh, oh, he needed needed like a, a feeling. So I went back to Diggable Planets. Plastic, the babes will go spastic. Hip hop is a classic. Pimp playing shop, it don't matter. I'm fatter. Axe butter, how I zone. Man, Cleopatra Jones. And I'm chill like that. I'm chill like that. Now, Diggable Planets, I saw in university with my girlfriend, the girl I was dating in university. So that, to me, matches the more chill tone of actually being in the podcast where I'm talking to you about random topics, trying to have a good time, trying to look at the world, you know, get into the head of the Chummy Beef Chest Academy of Martial Arts. So I sent that information to Stones Moyo and he's like, 
do you have any lyrics? I didn't have any lyrics. My coworker, my friend, he says, enter the mind of the academy. And I said, ah, that's pretty good. I'm going to write that down. And I said, you know, the last couple episodes I talked about drinking at lunch. Drinking at lunch brings verbal skills like a sucker punch. So I couldn't write a song, but I could punch up a couple of lines. Like I don't think I could write a movie, but I could make improvements to movies that already exist. I've done that on the podcast before. And that is how we ended up with the lyrical stylings of this low-key hip-hop vibe that is the new C. McBee theme song. And I mean, we're talking the perfect length. That was 26 seconds. So for intro for a podcast, I think 30 seconds is, is the upper limit. Like I said, 30 seconds to a minute so that I'd be able to cut stuff out. And I just love the fact that he doesn't say C McBee like I do. He says C a mock There's a little in there. It's just really hard to see a mock uh, And this is one of the, the, the joys of being able to reach across the world to Zimbabwe and say, hey, I want you to put your feeling on my thing. And it's awesome. And I love it. And thanks to Stones Moyo. If you want a song made, he will make the beat. He will sing the song. I think if you pay him more, he'll write the lyrics. Like he will do all the work for you. Of course, the more work you want, the more money it costs. But I mean, you can hear the results. He's made two songs for me. One was absolute garbage start and he made it into something good. The second one, he had free reign. He hit all the things I needed him to hit. So thanks to Stones Moyo for the new theme song, which also means we have a new transition sound. <laughs> I might have to edit that down a little bit so it's a little smoother, but CMB, yeah, every time I transition, it's going to be pretty good. Um, but I do have some other stories to talk about. CMB, yeah. I maybe probably have to just switch it to just see a mug be. I think we have to, to cut out the yeah. But anyways, this is again, this is part of the again, deciding where we're gonna go. I could play the whole 30 second theme song every time I change change stories, but uh the theme today, there's a company called Take Two, and they produce video games. They're a publisher. I know you don't get technical with me. They are involved with video games. How about that? They produce some, they publish others, whatever. It's a giant company. They make billions and billions of dollars. They are the name behind Grand Theft Auto, which makes more money than anything else on the planet, if I understand the way the world works. Now, Take-Two is having a court case right now, and they are the defendant. And the accusation is that if I buy virtual currency within one of their games that I should own that virtual currency. So this is, again, it's kind of like a Bitcoin issue because if something's digital, ownership becomes more difficult to understand. Bitcoin, if I buy a Bitcoin, it goes into my wallet. I own everything in my wallet. I think that's pretty easy to understand. Video game companies don't want you to own your video games anymore. They want you to license them. 
So the idea is that if you license something, you don't own it. So they have control over it. They change it. You have access to it. You can play the video game, but everything in that video game is owned by them. Virtual currency is problematic because if I pay for virtual currency in a video game, their licensing structure then says that I do not actually own that virtual currency. Their actual argument is that virtual currency is a fiction and therefore not owned by the consumer. So this is digital goods in total. Does anybody own them? And the company basically wants me to put money into their game. And then if I don't get anything back for that money, that's acceptable because I got the virtual currency, not even like, I guess I'm buying skins or I'm buying weapons or I'm buying something, upgrades, whatever. If I don't use that, I just lose it. And so the argument here is if I put money into a game and then let's say the next day the publisher closes that game, what happens to that virtual currency? Because I should get it back. I, I put money into the game. I didn't get anything for it. Should I get that virtual currency back? Uh, I put money into that game. They decided to close the game. They didn't ask me if it was okay. Because again, I don't own that game anymore. I just license it. I've actually got the thing I paid for very technically, which was the virtual currency. The fact that I didn't get to use it is on me, the user. The fact that I didn't know that the game was going to close the next day is also technically on me, the user. This is one of the problems with modern purchasing, I guess, is that it becomes very unclear as to if you own anything. And if you don't own anything, then the company also wants to put the responsibility of knowledge on you, the user. So I, if I spend my money, that's my problem. If they take my money, that's also my problem. If they close the thing I paid for, that's my problem. Whereas really, it should be to a degree. Again, I'm not, this is not a legal argument. If I've put money into something and you're going to close it, I should know or I should have a say. Because it's my money that helped create that thing. Like you may have put in the initial investment, you may have created the thing, but it's my money that kept it going. So that makes me a stockholder in the game itself. The virtual currency then becomes the stock, which is not the argument they're making, but it was an interesting way to look at it. Because this is again about digital ownership in the modern age, where companies want to make as much nothing as possible and get as much of your money into that nothing and then take it away from you. And then you have no sort of recourse. One of the statements, virtual currency is a fiction subject to the publisher's terms and services. So the, the, the people suing them, it was a minor. So his parents are actually like suing the company on his behalf claims unlawful business practices because in the games, NBA 2K, WWE 2K, PGA 2K, money was put in, those games have been shuttered to a degree or the virtual currency is no longer useful, what they're saying is they should either be refunded the money, of, refunded the amount of virtual currency they didn't get to use, or that virtual currency should be transferred to a different account, to a different game. So the argument they're kind of making is that if they pay for virtual currency and that game gets shut down, they should either be refunded the virtual currency they didn't use. So if I go into a game, I put in 60 bucks, I buy the game, that's the license to access the game. So that game gets shuttered, I should get, let's say, so I bought 50 bucks worth of skins. 
I shouldn't get that 50 bucks back because I spent that money. But if I have 50 bucks sitting there, I should get that $50 back. Or that $50 should be transferred to a, in this case, take two virtual currency account that I can apply to the next game I have access to. So I actually think in this case, the people suing take two are not being particularly unreasonable. They're not even saying like, we want our money back. We just want, you know, the value of the money we've put into your company. We want that value somewhere else since we didn't get to use it in the games we actually bought. I think what they're actually asking for is a take two coin. This is essentially a virtual currency that would be applicable to any take two game which is not a terrible idea. You think they'd actually do that already. You think if you like, if I could get you into my ecosystem, that would be a good thing, but they're actually arguing that no, we should just get to take your money. And that's again, where the the company ends up looking bad and looking greedy because take two had $1.44 billion and 75% of that $1.44 billion. I think that was just like the last revenue thing uh, was from recurrent customer spending which is things like virtual currency. It's not from buying the initial game. It's from all the money they spend, all the extra stuff they spend, all that extra stuff that they just want to hoard and keep holding on to, which is kind of gross. Uh, because you think, I'm, like, I'm all for companies taking your money, but you should get value in return. And that value is something that now is becoming more questionable because companies are getting to the point where it's almost abusive. Like we're going to try to give you as, as little as possible. We're going to try to give you nothing. And then again, blame you for actually having spent the money in the first place. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy that for a while. On a similar note, again, talking about companies, digital things. Uh, this is a chat bot. Air Canada has a chat bot on its website. Lots of these big companies have chat bots. They answer your most basic questions. Most of the time, it's weird and kind of useless. Uh, but they're just supposed to be answering the most standard questions. This guy's grandmother, family member dies. And he has to go fly across the country. He wants the bereavement prices. So he asked the chat bot about the bereavement sort of system. The chat bot said that... It, bereavement prices are this and you can apply for a refund after you buy your ticket. So basically you can go on your trip, apply for a refund and you can actually get your money back. And since he wanted to go really quick, he bought a ticket at full price, got on his Air Canada flight and then went to, I assume the funeral and then started after the whole process is finished. He's like, okay, now I'm going to contact customer service, try to get my bereavement price, get my X amount of money back. Turns out the actual policy is not that. You have to do the bereavement price in advance. You can't do it after you actually buy the ticket. So the chatbot essentially had lied to him. And this puts a question of the human on the other side of the lines, like that's not our policy. We will update our chatbot, but as far as you and your, let's say $400, you're shit out of luck because you listened to the chatbot we put in place. Well, this guy's like, well, that's not cool because this chatbot is representing the company and the company's telling me something and then turning around and saying, that's not true later. Well, that's not right. So he sues them and he wins. So now companies, chatbots, what they say to you, they're going to be res legally responsible for, which I saw this as being like a very weird opening for a new kind of crime. Because what you need to do, people with far more technical skills than me, is go in and manipulate the chatbot to give you incorrect information so that you could then sue companies later for acting on that incorrect information. Now we have a precedent set. Now, if you get caught fiddling with their chatbot, certainly that's going to be on you. 
But at the same time, you can see there's an opportunity here to screw companies. And if there's anything people like to do, screw companies. <laughs> because of the practices in the previous story where they are abusive and malicious and just trying to take as much money as they can and it's all your responsibility. There's no actual like, let's take care of our customer feeling anymore. So the feeling of the customer, let's abuse the company a little bit sort of is understandable. There is a sentiment in modern life where people are looking to take it like anti-work, uh, quiet quitting, uh, all these sort of corporate abuses that that's what the way the corporations would see it. Whereas people are just saying like, I'm just working to my wage. I'm just doing what I'm asked and nothing more. The idea of going above and beyond is now gone because I don't get anything in return for going above and beyond. I actually understand both sides of those arguments. I think if someone does go above and beyond, they should get extra. I don't think going above and beyond is standard because then you're no longer going above and beyond. You're only because you don't get anything for it. There's no benefit. So I believe that work should be paid. There should be benefits to working. If you're going to work harder than everyone else and the company should recognize that. I think companies should take care of their customers. If your customer puts X amount of dollars into a product, they should get that value back from the product. And if they don't use the company should take care of them. So this chat bot is now representing the company giving incorrect information. Yes. The company is responsible for that chat bot. That chat bot has said something they need to follow up. The government is now legally in Canada said, you have to do this. So that precedent is now made that I is now a scammer because I do so many scam stories in Ninja News Japan and other stuff. My first thought was like, if you can manipulate the chat bot, you can figure out ways to get companies. They have to give you money because the chat bot said some weird stuff. Chat bots are weird. So I don't have those technical skills, but now I am literally just waiting for that story to happen.